0: Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin.
1: All right, friends, welcome. Episode 32 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Kevin DeShazo of Fieldhouse Media and Culture Wins, along with Mark Hodgkin. We're excited to be with you guys in the middle of fall, middle of college football season. Mark, how are things going your way?
0: Really good. Um, as you guys have been listening for the last couple of months know, um, I've been in between positions. Um, I actually accepted a job a few months ago, finally starting it up. Officially this week, so um, don't have all the details to share with that yet. Um, but we're working on kind of an announcement. Back in the fold, it was a, a really exciting opportunity, uh, building on kind of what I did uh, running product for New Lion College and um, really some interesting new things. So can't wait to get to get there. But uh, it's been uh, a great summer. Get, had some time off, kind of some of the things we're going to talk about today. But uh, it's been uh, it's been really a good start and um, excited to even you know get get even busier because that's definitely what's happening. About uh, How about you, Kevin? What's going on in your world?
1: I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about just how you sat around doing nothing for the last few months <laughs> and just been super lazy and what that means to leadership. Um, no, it, it has been fun to, to, to obviously be, be involved in, in what, you're, what you're doing and see how you maximize that time, which again, we'll, we'll get into uh, in, in this episode, which I think will be really, really useful for you guys. For, for me, for us, busy season as, as always. Fall is finally here. A, it's officially here, but B, in Oklahoma. Um, today, like right now, it's 55 degrees and I couldn't be happier with life. Like it's been in the 90s uh, until October, which is not normal. And so fall is finally here. And so I feel like I just got a massive burst of, of life and, and energy. Um, so I love this season uh, from a business perspective. You know, we, we don't get to do a bunch of sales stuff, product stuff on on our podcast. We're just really here to serve you guys. But I do want to take a short, maybe 30 seconds, talk about something that we just launched um, as part of Culture Wins and, and Giant Worldwide. And if you've read the book, The 100X Leader, we've talked about it. Um, we've, we've now launched what we're calling the 100X system. And it's a way to make leader development and culture development uh, scalable across an entire organization at a really affordable cost in a way that, that universities and businesses actually don't even need people like me on site. Because we know that workshops are good and speaking is good and coaching is good. Um, but we wanted to figure out, hey, how do people learn in the new world um, and B, how can we actually make it scalable to everyone, everyone and make it stick whenever we're not there. And so it's a really simple system, all on the giant TV platform. Uh, If you go to giant.tv slash culture wins, you get 30 days free. Um, It's kind of our Netflix of leadership platform. And so you get guides in the system who are certified experts in our content. So they would know our content just as well as I do. Get one or two of those on your team, depending on how big the organization is. You get your people who are leading People on what we call Sherpa training. And so that's weekly content that they're getting delivered to them and exercises to develop them as leaders. And that's that means your people are getting better on their own time, right? You don't have to wait for a workshop, wait for a speaker. It's like they're getting better as leaders every single week and learning to multiply that and then you get everyone in the organization on the Giant TV platform, so they kind of get, get that into the water system, so to speak. Um, so it's really exciting. It's rolling out. I mean, organizations like Google, like Chick-fil-A, like Delta, like the U.S. Air Force, uh, and athletic departments around the country. Um, so just a fun new thing that we've we've tried to say, how can we scale? really scale leadership and really serve organizations um, and change industries? And we think this is it.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. It's really interesting. We talked about it a little bit offline and definitely a great opportunity if you're interested in in doing it or, um, and especially involving your team, you know, maybe the, your organization can cover it. Really seems like a good opportunity uh, for that. So, Kevin, where again do they find more information on this?
1: Yeah, if they just want to shoot me an email, kevin at culturewinds.co, or you can DM me on Twitter at Kevin Deshazo my phone number. You're welcome to text me. I'm, I'm fine giving my phone number out. I give it out at every speech, 405-535-6943. Um, and I can show you a demo of, of what that looks like. Um, again, just makes it really affordable. We, we've got some organizations who are getting full leader development and culture building to their entire organization for less than 500 bucks a month, which is, which is pretty insane. Um, and it's basically just a, a culture management system. Enough of the sales talk. Uh, let's let's get into thinking about this episode. And as, as Mark mentioned, um, you know, you've been off for a couple months, and you started to make some changes during that off time to live intentionally, which is a phrase we use uh, often on this podcast. And it's a thing people talk about a lot, but most people don't actually do. And so I love the fact that you actually did it. So the article that that if you guys haven't seen it, Mark wrote an article um, on his on his website, markahodgkin.com. And so I think this is gonna be a really helpful episode for people as it relates to thinking through who they want to be and how they can actually get there.
0: Yeah. I've always been really interested in, in habits and, and managing time. And I'm definitely uh, somebody who tinkers with his routine and, and tries to, to find ways to kind of optimize it. So yeah I, I just threw some uh, some things on paper right as I was finishing my my kind of break and was really kind of surprised to be honest of uh, the amount of feedback I got, I'm not saying it went viral to thousands and thousands of people, but a surprising number of people kind of reached out to me and said, really like what you did there, really interested in that Could you tell me a little bit more information about this thing you've done or, or this uh, tool you use or things like that. So thought it would be good to kind of jump in and, and, and maybe go a little bit deeper. I only had a paragraph or two on, on most of these things. And again, this isn't me trying to say that I've figured everything out. It's just kind of a ability to, to share some, some ideas. And, and I heard something said by James Clear, who's an author that I know Kevin that you listened to and, and have read a lot. And he said, you know, one of the things about building your network and building an interesting network is doing interesting things and sharing them publicly. And I think that's what kind of spurred me to, to share this and put it out there. So been excited that people have, uh, have reacted well to it and look forward to digging in a little bit more.
1: I love it. It's gonna be fun to talk about. Uh, this will be the Mark Hodgkin show, which is gonna be great because I tend to talk way too much. Uh, so I'm excited for this episode to, to focus on you and, and your, your insight and your mindset. Um, so guys, enjoy episode 32 and we will see you on the other side. All right, Mark. So you wrote an article about what you've done over the past two months. So again, you, you've been off work for the past two months, laying around the house, doing nothing, uh, just being lazy, just just working out your Twitter thumbs. No, you've been really intentional. And you, you took that time, which is how you you just generally operate. Like You're one of the more intentional people that I know you, you think through everything at a different level, but you don't just think through things, you act on things. And, and that seems... Obvious, but there's I think there's a big disconnect with people um, between what we think about and what we actually do. So you actually do things, and then I love I love the way you you set it up is um, you do interesting things and then you share them. And it's not out of ego. It's not to say look at me, I'm I'm amazing, I'm great. It's just I tried this. Here's what I learned. Hopefully it's it's useful for someone. And I think it, it has certainly been useful for people just seeing the the conversation around it on on social media. So before we dig into kind of what you did, I want to go into what was the thinking behind the overall decision to to just make make changes in life?
0: I think the mindset that I had when I I realized um, that I would have this time off, and again, it's a little bit different because for the most of the time, um, I wasn't forced to go actively look for work. A lot of times when we have a break, you know, that's going to be a big part of of the time equation, right? Is finding something new. So it was a very unusual circumstance to kind of have almost like a summer vacation. Um, And again, uh, there was plenty of laziness and there was plenty of pool time and there was plenty of things like that, that, uh, that uh, we won't need to get into, but uh, you know, it seemed like a time where I could, you know, dig into some things, you know, I always do a lot of reading and there's some of this that's about that. So um, I said, you know what, I have no excuses not to, to try some things out. Most of these things are things that I thought of, but instead of trying to cram them into you know, busy day-to-day schedule when you're you're carrying on with full-time work and, and other projects like the podcast and other things that I do um, it, it, you know really had no excuse not to dive into them but even getting back into the the swing of things at work I've noticed a lot of these things were really important if anything more important since working again and being busier because uh, it was it was like a light switch when it goes on and, and uh, you know part of it again to be to be completely honest was I didn't want to lose kind of my edge, you know, it's been, it's been slow. You know, I wanted to didn't want it to be jarring to go back and, and having to work. So kind of building work and building things to do were, uh, were part of the equation, but, but yeah, I just wanted to do something interesting. And, and again, a lot of this will revolve around thinking about time and the time that we have. Um, and I, actually, yesterday I was watching a little bit of that Bill Gates documentary on Netflix and haven't gotten through the whole thing yet, but something that jumped out at me in the first episode was, you know, Bill Gates is very, very intentional about his time down to the millisecond almost in his planning because as his assistant said, or his, his kind of chief of staff said, uh, time is the only thing he can't buy more of. Um, he can buy almost anything else, but he's got the same 24 hours that I have, that you have, that everybody listening to this has. So um, he's very intentional about it. Obviously um, a different day-to-day than most of us, um, but you know, that's uh, that's kind of how I got here.
1: Uh, that's That's one of those things where... You know, whenever I'm coaching people or, or interacting with people, and I know you you deal with the same thing just in conversation, but, oh, I just don't have time. People say, We say all these things we want to do or, or who we want to be. Oh, I just don't have time for that. And we're just lying to ourselves. We all have the time. Um, I don't, this next sentence is going to sound really prideful. It's not the intent, but I'm trying to build two businesses. I travel all the time. I've been in, in seven states in the last five weeks. I've got three three kids and a wife. I'm involved in a number of things in our community. I'm on the board of a nonprofit. And I help coach um, my, my 10-year-old's baseball team, involve my eight-year-old's baseball team. And I still make time to read, make time to run, make time to invest in myself and rest. It's right? like, well, there's some time I'm lazy. Yeah, It's okay to be lazy sometimes. Right? It's okay to sleep in and, and, and rest. It's a, we've talked about that before. It's a huge thing. But we, we waste an awful lot of time. Um, if you tell me you don't have time, show me how how much time we'll get into this some of your practices. But show me how much time you spend on Twitter today, or Instagram, or YouTube, or Netflix. It's like this isn't saying you should be doing something "quote unquote" productive with every second of your time, uh, but you could do more productive things than you're doing now. I'm not saying Twitter is bad. Not saying Netflix is bad. Of course, I I, I watch TV as well. I spend a lot of time on Twitter as well, but it's looking at looking at um, where, where you do have time and where you can trade up to something better. Uh, so I I love that mindset. And then we'll, we'll, at the end, I'm going to ask you how, as you get back into the flow, what are these things you're carrying with you? Because like you said, it's easier to do some of these things when you have all the time in the world. Well, now you've got a little more of a schedule. So I want to think about how can you knowing that you can't do them at the level you've been doing them necessarily. Some of them you can, some you can't, um, what does it look like to get into a normal? Routine, Um, so let's just go through it, and and we'll probably reference James Clear probably forty seven times in this podcast. Um, If you haven't read his book Atomic Habits, cannot recommend it enough. I mean, it it may be top three for me. Um, It's one of I don't subscribe to very many newsletters. His is everything the guy does that I've seen so far has just been really really good. And what I love about it couple of things. A, he's acknowledging this isn't my work. I'm just taking everyone else's research on habits and just trying to put it in a way that makes sense to people. Um, so he's not trying to say I'm, I'm, I'm a big deal. He's just trying to help people. But it's just really practical. And everything I get from him just seems to be useful and makes sense. And I'm like, oh, no, I could, I could do that. And so highly recommend his stuff. Let's just go through. I'm going to go through quickly the, the changes that you made. And then we'll kind of break down why each one and kind of some impacts that, that have happened. So the things that you've changed uh, over the last few months, took your iPhone out of your bedroom, uh, removed social apps from your phone. I read that and I immediately got anxiety. <laughs> uh, disconnected from the news, began reading summaries and blinks, removed meat mostly from your diet, and then set up an exercise system and then worked with your hands. So these are these are small some of them, but powerful, impactful changes. Some of them are bigger, require a lot more sacrifice uh, than others, a lot more planning than others. Um, Some of them are just small things that can have a big impact on your day. So let's start with the first one. Took your iPhone out of your bedroom. One of the things James Clear talks about is we all want to be better, right? Um, I want to be a runner. No. Why do you want to be a runner, right? I want to take, I want to, there's got to be a why behind the habits that we're trying to build, or oh, we're never going to do them. Like I don't want to be a runner. I don't. I don't love running. I I want to run so I can be healthier, so I can be a better husband, so I can be a better dad, so I can live longer for my family, so I can be more effective at work. Right. Um, so that keeps me. You no, know, I have to. I have to run so I can. Uh, I can make sure those things come to fruition. So with with the phone, uh, taking that out of your bedroom, what was what was kind of the why behind that?
0: A lot of it was around the idea of. Increasing the quality of sleep. I mean, everything you read about your health, um, productivity, uh, performance of athletes or high performers in business or, or um, entertainment or whatever, um, everybody's talking about how good sleep makes a huge difference, that seven hours of sleep is not equal to seven hours of really good sleep. And that's when your body, you know, if you're training, it's when the muscles actually grow after they've been stressed, you know, in workouts or things like that. And I've also seen these these stories about how just having a phone around you um, can cause anxiety. Doesn't matter if it's it's not in your hand or whatever. You're you're so programmed, and so many of these things that that we'll talk about come back to that. It's crazy attachment that we have to our phones, and and I think part of it's just having a natu- an understanding of it doesn't mean you need to get rid of your cell phone. I sure, certainly haven't. Can't imagine doing that, but being serious about like how you use it and understanding that like. There are problems around it, so you know there's some of that 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 research you saw, but you know it's always kind of abstract until you make some changes yourself. So I, like almost everybody, had kind of slept with the the phone on the nightstand, and way too often, you know, as I'm falling asleep, um, it's buzzing. You know, I've I've killed most notifications from my phone. That's something I've done for a long time, but you know, you'll get a text or you'll get um, a buzz for something or whatever, and uh, you'll just go over, turn over, see that phone, grab it. And then the famous, the scrolling, you know, just the the scrolling. And sometimes that would add up to like 20 minutes or something, which is just totally crazy if you think about it. Just, that's just 20 minutes gone or 10 minutes gone. And um, so I decided like, okay, let's just set up a system. A lot of this is systems too, right? Putting yourself in a position where you're doing the habits. And, and James Clear talks about that too, but you, you have to build systems that will help you get to the, and product that you know you need to. So I just moved it out to the to the uh, kitchen table and, you know, charged it out there overnight. You know, if I really needed something, if the phone was ringing, you know, I could hear it if there's an emergency, but, you know, it wasn't right there to pick up and, and go with. And, um, you yeah, know, I've seen a lot of people have said, you know, go buy an old school alarm clock, you know, for instead of using your phone, because you get that, that snooze or you pick up the alarm and then all of a sudden you're into the phone, the phone's got your attention. So I found that by doing that, and, and I use a, a Garmin watch to, uh, to kind of wake up and, and things like that. So I didn't, I haven't done the old school alarm clock yet, but I noticed I the most concrete thing I noticed was that my time or not around the morning was more what I wanted to do or, you know, do you want to just get a workout in or do you want to, you know, catch up on some work or, or just sit with a cup of coffee and, and enjoy it. Um, you're not already on somebody else's agenda based on what emails came in through overnight or whatever. So, Kind of surprising that that I get to the point where maybe I haven't gone through my phone until I'm heading out the door for the day or or something like that. And and again, all this, you have to manage what your job responsibilities are to, you know, if you're on call, it's not, you can't be, you can't be irresponsible or or unreachable. Um, So you have to kind of set up that system that works for you, Um, but, you know, not use it also as kind of a crutch that I need that phone plastered to me and being going through it because, I need whoever has my phone number or my Slack uh, channel or my Skype username or any of the other thousand ways that you can be reached, uh, you know, they're not going to have access to me at all, at all times. So um, you know, I, I thought that one was pretty, I've enjoyed that quite a bit. And, and it's definitely uh, seemed to be sleeping better. And, and like I said, the mornings definitely seem a little bit better.
1: And it allows you to start your day kind of go back to the language we've used before and on the podcast in, in first gear, right? You're not waking up in fourth gear or fifth gear where you're immediately checking email, checking social media to see what you've missed or what's going to happen that day. You can wake up and be present with yourself, with people around you um, and check your phone whenever it's time to check your phone. Uh, and because most of us, we're not on call, but we act like we're on call, right? So we treat our phone as if it's always got to be, be available to us. And, and I, I do, I, my phone is on my nightstand. It is my alarm. Um, I turn it on, my phone goes on, do not disturb at, at 10 o'clock at night. So I get nothing from 10 a.m. to seven, 10 p.m. to seven a.m. I get nothing. Now, if I've got to wake up for a four o'clock flight, that's, that's different, right? I've got to have that for an alarm. Um, but I've, I've considered after reading your, your blog post, like maybe a, what, what would it look like on days when I'm not traveling to, to leave my phone? Cause I don't read in my bed. So I've made that, I think my, my phone is just, it's just there. Um, but it's not really serving any purpose by being there, right? It's it's just there. I, I don't look at it, um, but I think probably mentally, I still know that it's that it's there. It's probably mentally still a concern um, just the, the, because of the awareness that it's there. So uh, I, I think that's great. And it's rest is an advantage, right? Like we have to be, we have to rest and we have to rest well. And so that's one that obviously, Can easily be carried over um, as, as work continues, right? That's, that's a, that's a a practice that can, that can continue. That one kind of builds into the next thing you did. uh, And part of me just wants to skip through this one because I just want to yell. um, (laughs) It's not true, but you removed the social apps from your phone. So you took Twitter and Instagram off your phone, because like you said, and you mentioned this already, you just find yourself scrolling for 20 or 30 minutes when you were just trying to take a quick look. And this is a huge one, especially I think for people who are listening to this podcast, because it's a lot of people in the sports space and the sports and social space. And whether you're in the sports and social space or not, if you work in sports, you're probably in the social space. Um, you're just spending time there. And so that you can justify the amount of time that you spend on social media. But you went so far as to say, and I know you've done this before, you've taken you know a month off Twitter, a month off of social media. Um, but just to say, I'm going to delete the apps from my phone. That doesn't mean you're unplugged from social media, right? You can use Twitter, um, on, on your computer. You can use Instagram on your computer and scroll through pictures and, but you took them off your phone. What was kind of the why behind that? And what did you, what, what change did you notice in in you from not having those apps on your phone?
0: The easiest and most obvious thing is screen time on my iPhone it just plummeted. You know, you check that and, uh, I encourage everybody to kind of do that from time to time. Um, and it, it, the number can be horrifying sometimes. So one thing, just less—you just end up with less time on your phone. I mean, the, these these social media apps are designed to be uh, little slot machines in your pocket. They're designed to be addictive. Um, there's no doubt about it. No matter what any of these um, tech companies say about uh, wanting to reduce time and, and addiction, there's there's literally no interest uh, from that, and that's how they're they're produced. Um, and I think you hit on it really well. Was I had been. I tried these experiments before, and I didn't want to completely unplug. Um, I did actually really usually enjoy those week or month long kind of fast. But I wanted to say I, I want to be still involved. I want to catch up with the benefits of social media because there definitely are uh, benefits. You know, I think we wouldn't know each other without without Twitter. You know, this would never have existed. There's we all have stories like that um, that that social media has really brought a benefit to us. I think what getting it off my phone allowed me to do was really just be a little bit more honest with how I want to use the product instead of being used by the product. Um, You know, technology is a, is a wonderful slave, but a terrible master. You know, and and I try to approach it that way. So I end up checking it again, like you said, on the computer fairly regularly, but I try to do it more, just sporadically. Check in the morning, check in the day, check in the afternoon, check it at night maybe, but not having that in my pocket. So if I'm waiting for something, um, I'm just going to Twitter and then losing time, losing 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Like you said, it it adds up. So I've found myself and I've kind of forced myself by taking it off my phone. I don't have to rely on the willpower not to, to check and spend time. It's just not there. So I don't have an option. So I've tried to drive it to... You know, things like uh, my Kindle app, um, the Pocket app, which I use a ton. So if I ever see an article, uh, I'll usually go through all my emails or my newsletters or social media. Instead of reading the article right there, I'll flag it in Pocket. And then I have a a great place to go where I can just kind of knock out a lot of reading at one time. So I'll pull that up. Instead of being on Twitter for, for 10 minutes, I'll read one Pocket article or a little bit of a book on Kindle or whatever. Um, and I think that's uh, that's really been good. And I guess what I would say about social media, I guess it's just kind of a challenge. Like you said, everybody who's listening to this is probably pretty active on on Twitter. And you know I'm not saying you should be completely disconnecting from it. Some people think that, but um, I think it's about being and taking a really honest look at how much you're using it. And then, okay, what are the benefits that I see? Can I get those benefits without being on it all the time? So I can still stay updated this is actually probably the first time I haven't wanted the chronological timeline. That's kind of a, from a real granular level. Um, I've seen the value of kind of having the, the posts that I normally react react more with or I, I check out more. Those are surfaced higher, so I can check kind of catch the important things I want to see um, and the, the things that I don't want to miss to get that benefit. Because I think there's a lot of people and a lot of us that see the benefit on something like Twitter or social media and they, it's what Cal Newport calls the "any benefit not mindset," where you find one benefit. Say, there's one benefit here, so it's definitely a great tool to use. And it's, you know, it might be a great benefit. But can I get it in 20 minutes a day instead of two hours a day? And I think that's actually, I wouldn't be surprised. If I haven't been able to crunch all the numbers, but that's probably like where my social media use has gone from something like two hours. Uh, a day to to 20 or 30 minutes. So I'm still there. I'm still sharing content. I'm still seeing posts. I'm still interacting with people that that are important to me, but I'm not using it as a complete crutch um, on my phone because we we all use our phones too much, right? And I don't think that's that's breaking news. Um, So it's helped me spend a little bit more time on things that I have assigned more value to. I love
1: it. And it's, it's also saying, and you mentioned this, that we're not saying social media is bad. That's not the point. Um, we're not saying you should spend no time on social media, but it is, it's it's being intentional to evaluate why am I on it? What benefit am I getting from it? And how much time do I need to be on there to get that benefit? Because I don't need to be on there two, three, four hours a day. And I don't care what your job is, because you can create without being on social media, right? And then you can go post and then you can back out. And of course, if you're managing an account, you've got to manage the replies and all that. I get it. Um, but it's also, we, I think we forget... There are millions of people doing amazing work, meaningful work, building successful careers, successful lives that don't use social media to document, to share all their days. They don't have, they don't have social media at all. So it is possible to be successful and to have life um, and to create without social media. I know that that sounds ridiculous in terms of, well, of course you can't. But I think we also forget that. We just think you have to be on these platforms to thrive. And there, there is a lot of value. Like I said, we wouldn't know each other. I wouldn't have business without, without social media. Um, but it, but it is. You have to get to a point of saying, "How do I feel when I'm on it? What value is it really adding? Um, and if I want to have a better mindset, what what role is social media playing in my mindset? And if there's, and it's going to be both, right? It's going to be good for your mindset. It's going to be negative for your mindset. So how can you try to eliminate the negative? I, I read an article. This is maybe a year ago, titled something about. How to make your phone a tool for productivity, but rather than distraction, something along those lines. And it was some of these, these similar things. And I put into practice almost all the things that. So I don't have notifications other than texts on my phone. Um, I don't get email notification. I don't get Instagram. I think I get uh, I get Twitter DMs because those are essentially like texts. But I've turned off notifications. Twitter is such a business tool for me. It's still on my home screen, but all the other social media platforms are a couple of screens away and inside of folders and the Kindle app. Like I said is on is on my my home and so the idea is instead of opening Twitter open your Kindle app and read because what if that 10 20 minutes you spent scrolling was 10 20 minutes you spent reading and then you actually got something really valuable versus two minutes of value and 18 minutes of of, of wasted time um, and Instagram for me it's it's easy again for me to just get lost scrolling now it takes four or five swipes for me to get to Instagram that's a lot of I, I'm lazy I don't I don't want to swipe that much to open any apps. And so I don't use Instagram near as much, uh, because it takes the same thing with LinkedIn. It takes me, it's harder for me to get to it. So I use it less. And so I think, it's, and, and I look at, I do think it's, it's key to look at your, uh, and you'll throw up when you do it, but look at your screen time on your phone. Uh, when I made those changes from, from that article, uh, my, my screen time on average is down two hours a day. I'm just as productive. I'm just as informed. I'm much healthier
0: <laughs> mentally
1: and your know life is going just fine. And what's interesting is my, my social media time went down. My Kindle time is that's where I tend to get the, the trade off for me is, is reading books. I love reading, but I'll, I'll, I'll even pick up my phone with the intent to read and I'll scroll through something else. So again, these are just small things can make, can make big changes. Another, this one kind of builds off the last one, but being disconnected from the news. This one I think is really interesting and I feel this battle of wanting to be informed versus being overwhelmed and frustrated and it just being a distraction because news, let's be honest, most of what I, we see is not new. I'm not, it's not fake news. Um, it's just, it's, it's how do you want to call it clickbait? It's just, we, you see one snippet of something and so it, it blows up and it's probably not even accurate or it's not the full story because news sells on fear. And they, 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 they thrive on on emotion. And so it, it feels like there's not much reporting. <laughs> there's just yelling and being being dramatic. And so you just said, eh, I'm good. I'm just going to disconnect from the news. Now, does that mean you don't read the news at all?
0: Or you just don't get the news on Twitter? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess it's it gets a little bit of both. I went through some stages and and this was a tough one for me too, because I've always been kind of a news junkie. I'm interested in politics. You know, I was a history major and a, and a government minor. Um, I've just always enjoyed kind of the the ins and outs of it and and knowing what's going on and kind of priding myself on, yeah, being an informed citizen. I think in a country like ours, you, you know, you, should strive to be an informed citizen. I think that's where it gets a little little complicated. So I guess to answer your question, uh, the first part of it was I disconnected almost completely, didn't check news. I tried not to even swipe over to that screen on your iPhone that has some news headlines. And, and this was actually during the week when a huge firestorm about impeachment and uh, a thing with uh, the Ukraine um, hit. And I had almost no idea what was going on and um, it didn't make a difference. to, to, to my day, you know, I was still, I had the stuff I needed to get done and, you know, whatever outrage that the the news is kind of going out on about, I really had no control over most of it. So I said, let's just completely remove yourself from it and see how that works. You know, I don't think this is going to be one where I'm, you know, one of those people who has no idea who the vice president is, or, you know, what's going on in the, in the world or anything like that. But, Again, it's kind of being intentional with the outlets you follow and and, and the notifications you get, you know, like you said, and and kind of looking at the news through the the prism that that really exists with it, that, you know, if I really do want to be an informed citizen, that's a huge commitment. I always talk about this with people around elections and this idea, you know, once everybody's got kind of their I voted sticker and, you know, the kind of the, the chest beating about how I voted and I'm, you know, I'm doing this great thing and then I'll, I'll, (laughs) <laughs> I sound like kind of a jerk saying this but I'll ask them tell me about your know your, your city councilman or you know those ballot initiatives because you know, even just from a purely um, practical standpoint your vote is going is probably a hundred times more important than swaying that that race and it's the one that's probably have the most direct day-to-day impact on you so you know it's just so much there's so much to absorb and there's so much to filter through especially with the news media we have today especially with the the president we have today. There's so much out there. Um, Yeah. And I I think you're right. I think a lot of it isn't news. It's just kind of an hour to hour horse race, for lack of a better term. We used to always talk about horse race election cycles, but almost everything is like that now where there's just just so much noise. And, you know, if you really want to go through it and and be an informed citizen, I think that's a big commitment. And I think it's, it's, it's noble, but I think, you know, you could also look at it the other way of saying I'm not this is important to me. I've got things I need to do. I need to take the step in my career. I need to spend more time with my family. Is following the news going to add value to that? You know, and maybe it doesn't. So, again, this one I get, and I, and I'm I, it's an interesting one, and I can see both sides of it, and and all. But it it kind of just got to a point where it's so unnuanced, and I and I'm somebody who also I, I do understand there's there's different sides. I'm not a, a huge ideologue. I'm not somebody who's, you know, got their red team, blue team, and and just sees everything through that lens. And and I mentioned that in the article too that I, I put down that we always kind of say that we like to have both sides of every story. And I've heard that so many times. I'm you know I'm I like to listen to the other side and 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 hear what, what they're saying. And that I don't I don't let the the opinion drivers of MSNBC or Fox or whoever. Push, your, push my opinion. I, I don't know how accurate that really is for most people. When you look around, it doesn't seem like that's really the case. And so I applaud the people who do, um, but I think it's more important to find a few you know, reputable sites that really report the news and, and and give you kind of the macro trends. The macro trends are what's more important, too, when you're talking about business decisions or understanding how, how we got here. You know, a day is such a small microcosm, whether the Dow went up, the Dow went down, you know, the president's approval ratings went up, down, sideways, whatever, you know, how much is that really, really impacting? And I mentioned the the, the big stories, still the big, the big important stuff still kind of gets, gets to you. Um, but you don't really need to be following it day by day. So I have two Twitter accounts I always have. And one is kind of a, you know, one for me to, to follow, you know, Cleveland Browns football and, and musicians I like and. Uh, news and politi- politics stuff. And I've kind of tried to stay completely off that because this isn't just news too, it's sports um, and sports coverage. You know, there's some really good sports journalism being done, but there's also, we all know, just a, uh, an enormous amount of talking head, hot take, this quarterback's terrible. No way, he's great. Uh, no, he's terrible again. And, you know, that happens three weeks into the football season. And, you know, it's just kind of insane. And, you know, it's kind of pulling back and saying, I want to, Think about things myself and not just have them kind of dictated to me by what what somebody on TV or somebody on Twitter, you know, people who, who traffic and attention and, and clicks and, and ratings and stuff like that. You know, am I thinking for myself, am I spending time really getting into what's important to me and thinking about t- tough issues or am I just, I'm going to go on and see what MSNBC or Fox News said about that issue and then have an opinion and be outraged about it and blah, blah, blah. It, it just distracts you from what is really important, which is, you know, whatever you decide to do with your life and your family and, and your, your work and, and your your hobbies. So that's kind of what went into into that one.
1: Well, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's fascinating because I have, I have friends who are not plugged into social media at all, and they're completely unaware of what's going on in the world, but they're also pretty much at peace, right? They just, they live their lives. Things are fine. And like I said, whatever happens, so with with the impeachment, the whistleblower in Ukraine, it's like me knowing that doesn't change how I operate day to day. It's like that that information doesn't change my, it actually has no impact on me other than if I know it, I'm probably stressed out and maybe distracted by it and something I'm gonna to wanna to go read more. It's like, well, I have work to do. And and so it becomes this, this black hole of, how do I say information, just chaos. And, and that's what most of the last few years of this presidency has been, not 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 being blue or red, just reality. It's been a lot of that, just a lot of chaos and a lot of people yelling from from every side. Uh, and it's it can be a distraction. So again, there's a balance between wanting to be informed versus what impact is this having? Like me knowing all these things, is that making me better? Is that actually making me more informed or is that making me stressed out, which is going to have a negative impact? So I think it's, I love it. It's just, a, again, being really intentional about how you're how you're operating, about the information that you consume, and knowing that what you take in, whether that's food, whether that's information, that's going to impact you, right? And so to be be like if that's kind of a negative impact. I'm I'm going to cut that out. So I think that's that's just such a fascinating thing. And to your point that if it's a big enough story, it, it'll find it'll find your way to you. Um, and and if it's that big, it's going to have that much impact, an actual impact on you. You'll you'll find out. You'll be aware of it. Um, let's go to the next one. Starting to read summaries and blinks. So there's a great app, and, and you mentioned it called Blinkist. And Eric Nichols at South Carolina actually turned me onto that app maybe a year, year and a half ago. It's a fantastic app, basically Cliff Notes, audiobook Cliff Notes. And so it takes it takes a book and gives you the seven key points to that book. Uh, I love it. For my personality, uh I, I love reading. I just don't have the capacity to to sit and read for long periods of time but I can listen to blinks while I'm driving, you know, it's, it's, it's great. So what is, what was kind of the, the mindset people have been listening, you know, we're the opposite when it comes to personality, you are details, you are structure, you want all the data. Um, And you said this one was a little bit difficult for you to go from reading full books to now you're going to read summaries and blinks. So what was kind of the mindset behind this and what's been the impact?
0: And I guess anybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm a big reader. I, I churn through a lot of books. I'm usually reading three or four or five at a time. I listen to audiobooks um, on Audible on my commute and and when I'm working out or doing yard work or or anything like that. So it's just been a really ingrained habit for me uh, to read. And I've also always been on Goodreads, which is a social, basically a book site. It's owned by Amazon, but it kind of tracks what you've read and gives you suggestions. And it's like a social media for that. So I've done that challenge and I've always, you know, end up reading 70 to 100 books pretty much every year. And I'm also, I, I have the bad habit of never we're very rarely putting down a book once I start it. I want to read this book. I want to count towards my count and my challenge. And I realize it's you know not great, or I've already got the idea, and I'll still trudge through to hit that last page, which is really stupid. But it's been hard of uh, hard to kind of get past that. So it ties into something I started a few years ago when I realized that I was I was even plowing through these books and I was reading them. But a month after I finished it, was I retaining the um, the key points and the and the lessons you learn it you hear it sounds great. Okay, what happens now is it just in some deep recess of my mind and um, you know I might be lucky to pull out one or two tidbits later on. So I started taking um, much more detailed notes via the the Kindle app, which is where I read ninety percent of my books. You can um, you can highlight them and then export those and save them. I save them in an Evernote notebook and, and just kind of has some of the the big points about them, but. I guess when I started thinking about, okay, I'm reading a book and it might take me four or five hours to finish the book. And then I finish it and I go, yeah, that was good. But I feel like I could have gotten that in like 20 pages um, instead of 250. I could have probably retained that information, maybe even better with a summary. And you mentioned Blinks. I've just started it. um, And it's absolutely fantastic because it does get those quick summaries. You can either read them and highlight and actually, if you do the reading and the highlight, you can set it up with your Evernote so it actually automatically imports to almost exactly the same format I had last time. So every time I take notes, I try to even synthesize the summary and then have that uh, so I can always just kind of go back to it for whatever it is, whether it's a writing project or just want to, hey, I need some I need some uh, refreshing on something I learned. So um, it took a little bit of a, an adjustment to go from, you know, and, and it's funny. I've had this argument with friends, too, about, you know, if I listen to a book on on Audible, does that count as reading it? You know, and you can get people get really, really intense on this, this this argument of whether it counts as reading. At the end of the day, it really couldn't matter more. What does count mean? Did you did you read it or or listen to it? Did you retain the information? It's way more important. So, you know, it. it I was somebody who thought if I listened to it, you know, that counts as reading one. And but it doesn't if you read a summary or a Blink recap. It, t- it takes some getting used to to say okay, I'm just going to read a summary that somebody else took of somebody else's work. And, and there's even thoughts you have about like whether it's it, it's ethical to to have a uh, a recap of somebody else's you know full length book. But anyway, million different ways I could go with that. But uh, you know, I, I decided to okay, I, books I've either read, I'm going to start reading some of the summaries to kind of refresh them and just kind of get the main points, the real actionable things in a way shorter format and. It you know, take it took a little bit of checking ego, I guess, to say, uh, yeah, I'm not reading this book, but I'm getting something out of it. And I'm getting something out of it in way less time. Again, make make use of my time. I could get these um, these blinks uh, easily read on my phone or listened to on my phone in the time that it would have taken me to to scroll through through Twitter. So you take that idea that you talked about with the with Kindle, which I still do and is, is outstanding, but okay, instead of mindlessly scrolling and maybe picking up one or two things um, on social. Um, I could get through an entire recap of a book that's important and interesting to me. doesn't take the commitment of either I'm going to buy it or rent it or go to the library or whatever. Um, I can bang through that idea and then just have have something for me. And, and it feels great when you get done with one. You're like, yeah, this is interesting. They've, they've synthesized. They've cleared out the the, the fat from it and they, you have the information right there. So it's been a really, really good. Thing. So, tell me a little bit about your, your experience with, with Blankist and how, how you, you mentioned that Eric uh, turned you on to it a while back, but uh, how have you found the product?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's great. It's a, yeah, I've, I've never thought about the ethical part of it, which maybe I should, but it's for me, you know, I, I think you, you nailed it in, in, in your blog post of saying, many books I read, I felt were full of good ideas and takeaways that filled 200 plus pages, but could essentially get the point in 20 or 25. I think that's true of most most books are way too long. And this is, this is because publishers are dumb and they make you write a 40 to 50,000 word book when you could write a 10 to 15,000 word book and get your point across. And we, books have not caught up to the digital world where we can say, you don't need a five minute video. What if you can have a 30 second video or a 100 character tweet? Like what if you can get your message across in, in, in that amount of space? Um, and so I think Blink just takes, takes that away. So I could read a, a two to two to 300 page book but all, all I need are the key points. And I can get that in, in these 10 minutes um, on the Blinkist app. And what, but what I've also found, so A, it gives me the key points um, that I want to understand. But what has been really good is there have been a, several times where I'll, I'll listen to the Blinks. and like, it makes me want more of the book. It's like, great, then I'm gonna go buy the book and dig in because I really think like, this is something I want more of. Like this is yeah. this hit this hit a, a good level, but I need to go go deeper on this. But for most of them, it's like, this is good enough. The, the key points are the key points and I can take something away from that. And I think to your point also, people get so ridiculous. Well, that's not reading a book and you did an audit. Who cares? It's a dumb argument. Are you taking in information and getting better, period? Like that's, that's the point. And, and I think it's, we also feel really guilty for not finishing books, which is so weird. Oh, I started, I, I need to, no, you don't need to, if you're done, if you don't like the book, put it down. You know, like don't waste time reading another two, 200 pages of a book. You're like, ah, this is just kind of a good. It's like, no, put it down and get it, get a book that you're going to find value in. It doesn't matter if everyone else that you know is like talking about this great book. If it's not for you, it's not for you. So Blink is just, it's, it's a way to get better. Again, we t- talked about earlier of maximizing your time. Well, what about on your drive, on your commute, instead of listening to sports radio or a podcast that you better be listening to this on your commute? Um, what if you listen to blinks? What if you're listening to books on your drive? Um, and then you're walking into work and you've got new ideas, you're refreshed, and you got better. And you could read, quote unquote, read, what, 50 books a year that way, just by listening on your drives. So I, I think it's a great app. Um, I think it's, it's, i found it to be, to be really useful, um, especially for my personality. It, it fits great for my personality. Um, all right, the next one, and I may get kicked out of Oklahoma just for reading the sentence, but you removed meat from your diet for the most part.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's, it's another one that's really weird for me because, um, almost everybody who knows me or, or has followed me on social, um, I've been a huge, one, I love to cook, um, considered a, a career in, in, in culinary school back in the day, but I've really become like a big barbecue fan. Um, I have three grills in my backyard. One's a smoker, one's a hardwood grill, and one's a charcoal grill. And just, you know, you'd, you'd come to my Instagram, there'd be a lot of Instagram posts of, uh, of smoked dead animals, um, and that's okay. Um, still, still love that. But I guess where I, I came from on this and, and I'll, I'll set it up kind of how it came about was my wife and I went on an amazing vacation the summer, went to the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach, rented one of these conversion vans and, and camped down the Pacific Coast Highway. We're huge beer fans. So we stopped at a lot of breweries. We did a lot of, you know, splurge eating on our trip. You know, we've got to get the, the tri-tip when we're in uh, Central California and we got to try, um, you know, tacos when we're in San Diego. And you, you leave a trip. Like that, you know, feeling kind of okay. I need to detox now, and and by happenstance, you know, we finished the trip with my my aunt and uncle who live in um, the Hollywood Hills in, in Los Angeles, and are extremely health conscious. They're both, you know, they're both older, but you would think they they can easily pass for. 30 years younger than they are um, and they're incredibly active and incredibly healthy. And they've been vegans for, for a long time. And um, we started, they, they gave us a, uh, some samples of the service called purple carrot. Again, none of these, um, none of these uh, companies were mentioning or giving us a dime today. These are just things that have worked for us, but it's like a meal service, like a, uh, a blue apron type thing. Um, but for, for vegetarian or I should say vegan food and, and just the three days that we finished up there, we just felt so much better, like noticeably, Better, having kind of detoxed. When we came back, we felt energized, which is different than than how we feel after most of our trips. So we got a, a sample from them, um, and we started, you know, ordering that. So most of our meals all week were were these uh, these vegan meals. And and I would I would say what I strive for is kind of a plant based diet. So I'm not going to go fully vegan. I'm not going to turn down. You know, if I'm at a great steakhouse, I'll probably get a steak. And, and I've had meat since since I back and since i've written this post you know it's not a a strict thing but this two things this service really did and again not a not a a nutritionist not a health expert so take everything with a grain of salt not making any recommendations for anybody but it's putting none of us eat enough vegetables Uh, most of us don't you know it's just one of those things you know they're they're kind of pushed aside and the, the the numbers on people in this country how many vegetables actually it is like scary low. Um so what this does is put it as kind of the primary focus of the meal. Uh, you load up your plate. Uh, one of the things i always try to do when I was I was uh eating was get the plate like three quarters covered with something that's green. Um, and then you know the the one quarter can be a, a protein or a meat or something white. And uh this just kind of allows you to put that forward. And think about a plan like this is that it it gives you a system to to explore new ways of cooking. And uh, what we found was that we were using things like sweet potatoes and eggplants and these things that were the star of the meal. And they're very riffable, I would say. You know, you can tweak them and you understand, okay, I can cook cauliflower like this and it tastes really good. I could try doing that technique on something else. So it's it's about having a system. Not only are you going to get these meals and you're, you're going to, you know, they are expensive, so you're not going to waste them, but it puts you in a good position where you're eating these kind of plant-based diet uh, more, and, and it's been a noticeable change. Um, pounds shed off immediately. Again, you can have a bad diet that's vegetarian. Um, potato chips is are vegetarian and, and things like that. But if you kind of, I always try to make the right decision eighty percent of the time, and and this has just been an easy tweak because I like I like the food and I like cooking and 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 just making that okay. I don't have to have a chicken or a beef or, or something as the focus of the meal. I'll I'll have something that's more veggie focused. So it's been good. It's felt different. Again, I, I'm, it's a work in progress, and I'm not saying it'll be a permanent thing, but it's a good system and, and it helps me just feel better. I think it's been been great.
1: That one would probably be the most difficult for me. Number one, uh, I love, I just love meat. Um, and number two, I'm just the pickiest eater in the world. And so to, to put greens on my plate, like green beans, would probably about it. Maybe, maybe squash. There's green squash, right? Um, yep. Yeah. Food, veggies, thing uh, but there's like three green things that like uh, vegetables and I've gotten you know I've gotten better as I as I get older in terms of what food I eat I started a, a not sticking to a plan but started there's a, a service called precision nutrition again they're not paying us for this but a guy in our office he did their like full-fledged plan where you get coaching and online tracking and all this stuff uh, but it's, it's basically gives you meal plans it's not a it's not a meal service just gives you if you're an adult male wanting to add muscle here's some sample meat, meat, uh, meal plans. If you're an adult male wanting to maintain a healthy weight, here's some sample meal plans. If you're trying to lose weight. And so it's kind of goes into based on who you are, what your goals are. Cause the idea is like, you can, you can, you know, lose weight on an all carb diet. You can gain weight on all. it's, it's, it, you need all these things. It's just finding a healthy, a healthy balance. And, um, it's, you know, This plant-based thing is becoming a a significant thing, and I think there's there's obviously value to. I think Tom Brady is is on a plant-based diet, but the point is like what what we consume matters, and that doesn't mean changing like going crazy with everything you eat. But this this precision nutrition plan is similar to what you just said. It's it's not about perfection. It's about it's about establishing better habits. Um, And their thing is shoot for ninety five percent. Right. you're not going to be 100% perfect go for 95% and if you're if it's 95% that means i think it was like six or seven cheat meals a week based on how many meals that you eat well that's great um, and that a you need that mentally like you kind of need a yeah. break and to kind of reward yourself and not but it also shouldn't feel like punishment right when you're eating healthier but it's as you make changes you start to see benefits you don't have to go it's not 100 go all the way but i love the idea it's you said sure why not let's try it let's see what happens and man, there's a noticeable difference. There's something to this. Great. Doesn't mean I'm throwing everything out, um, but we are going to make, going to make some changes. And obviously there's, there's significant impact. It's good that we're still going to see your grilling pictures on Instagram. I mean, you're welcome to ship those girls to Oklahoma. I'll I'll take it to the backyard. So you set up an exercise system. And again, we're, we're hearing this word system quite a bit and, and This is, this is, you put a a rowing machine in the house that you started to use. And I love this phrase, best workout is the one that you will do. Uh, So there's, again, just like with diets, there's a billion workout plans. None of them matter, except the one that you're going to actually do. And so my guess is with, with the exercise, A, wanting to be healthier, similar to the, to the eating, but how have you actually been able to, to implement that
0: and stick to it? Yeah. You know, one of the things I noticed you have different amounts of willpower at different times of the day. And I think it's always good to be kind of locked into that and, and thinking about it. But I found, you know, in the end of the day when I'm kind of decompressing, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I should do a great workout tomorrow morning. I should, you know, get up early and I should I should do a workout. And that's when you have the the willpower. It's not necessarily when the alarm goes off at six AM. Um, you just want another ten minutes of sleep. So what I, I decided to do was I was gonna get that rowing machine out and I was gonna put it right in my middle of my living room where I literally have to trip over it to leave the house or anything. And so I'm gonna put it there. It's out. I'm gonna take the workout clothes that I need. They're gonna be sitting right on top of the thing. All you have to do is get out of bed and kind of roll yourself into the into the living room. And it's there. There shouldn't be any excuse. Just get on that thing. Cause once you get on and once you start any workout, you know, you hear people say this all the time, like just just start. You know, nobody, you just do five minutes in the gym, run for five minutes. Once you get going, you tend to keep going. So it was kind of around the idea of like, how do I set it up so that I have one, no excuse in the morning to, I actually have to inconvenience myself and not to put it back anyway. And then is that going to be a walk of shame, walking it back to the, the guest room, having knowing you bailed out on your workout today? Like that's happened, right? I'm not saying I'm perfect on anything. So that's like a deterrent. That's a deterrent to not doing it. So um, you're right. It's all about systems. So I wanted to get the excuse out of there. Huge believer in the the, the line you talked about, the best workout or the best diet is the one that you follow. follow. Um, it's not going to be the same for everybody. It, you know, you tweak and you learn and you find out what works for you and, and you find a plan that you can stick to. And I said, you know what? I do want some some TV time, like this wrong machine. I've heard it's a great workout. Um, I think i get on it and it works, you know, cardio and it, and it works your arms and your legs. Um, and I can also have a podcast or a book on tape or, you know, a Netflix show or something that I just have on. And so roll yourself out, get on that thing. And by, by the time the TV episode's over, you know, your workout's over. And again, the, the thing I would say is, yeah, you know, I don't think anybody has ever said the words, man, I really regret getting that workout in this morning.
1: But uh, it's, we make things way too complicated, right? And that's, that's the whole thing of the one that works is the one that, that you'll do. I don't, I don't love running. I do really enjoy cycling, but it's a lot of work, right? So for me, if I'm gonna go ride with a group of guys, A, it's gonna to have to take at least two hours of my day. So I'm not gonna get on the bike for 30 minutes, um, but I've gotta get up, I've gotta get gear on, I've gotta get the bike loaded up and either we're gonna like drive out to somewhere that we're gonna start or I'm gonna leave my, but it's just, it's a lot of work just to get started. Running, I can legitimately roll out of bed, put on shoes and shorts and a t-shirt and go. So I'll do it. And and it doesn't have to not be hours. I can go for a 30 minute run. Uh, but that's one that I will do and that I can do consistently. And it it takes me away from my family less. Um, so I think it's it's finding from an exercise perspective, it may be just go for a walk. Um, we have to take care of ourselves. Like one of the things we a tool that we use with leaders um, is this idea of the peace index and it's how at peace are you? And and one of the P's is physical health. And that doesn't mean you should be able to run a marathon tomorrow or climb Everest. That's not the point. But we have to be taking care of ourselves or we're going to burn out. Uh, we can't give our, our best to those around us. And so it's finding something. Go for a 10-minute walk in the morning. You're like, I don't have time. You do. Um, wake up 15 minutes earlier. Now you've got a 10-minute walk that, that you got in. And so it's – it's. and I love your point as well as, well, people who are productive don't watch TV. You're like, I watch Netflix, but I do it while I'm rowing. And so you're you're getting that entertainment. You're getting that kind of – um, letting your mind rest for, for a little bit, but you're also working your body out at the same time. And so you, it's just, which is why I think Peloton has become such a big deal. Um, why, why so many of these things, you can go to the gym, put on a podcast, you can go run and listen to a podcast um, or listen to music, whatever it may be. You can on a treadmill, watch a TV show, but you can it allows you to get some of that recharge time um, with your mentally um, while also recharging your body and, and and working out is recharging for your body um, as long as you rest well. So take your phone off your nightstand when you go to rest that night so your body can recover appropriately. Again, simple things. What what I love about all this stuff is some of these may seem drastic, but they're really not. And that's the key to we we overhype and over dramatize change and habits so that we don't have to change anything. Um, we make everything seem so big and so difficult um, so that we don't have to do it. And so it's you're like, no, I just got a rowing machine and I, and I get on it. That's all <laughs> like, I'm not going down to the river and like getting with the, with the rowing crew. It's like which you actually have in Oklahoma city, Olympic rowers train uh, on the river here in Oklahoma city. It's like, I don't have to be them. I can just roll out of bed and fall into my rowing machine and, and start. And so it's, if we can simplify things, we can actually take some action on that. So I love it. All right. Last one, working with your hands. And so this is a really interesting one for me. Number one, cause I'm terrible. Uh, I am not, so if if the measure of a man is working with his hands, I am no man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just not good. Like I, for, in my mind, and it's interesting because my dad is good at those things, right? Old school man, I mean, he can do electrical stuff. He can do plumbing, he can whatever. He would just figure it out. And I, and, but I was never with my dad to do those things. I was just always playing sports. And so while he was working on his car or, or fixing something around the house, I was in the driveway um, working on my game which didn't get me very far, but that's what I was doing. And so, but now my mindset as an adult, like there are reasons that plumbers exist and like, I don't want to take their job away from them. I'll pay them to do it. Um, But it's, it's, there is something about working with your hands. Um, I don't know what it is, like, but there's something about it, right? Like there, it's just, it does something to you mentally, physically. Um, So what was kind of the, the, the mindset behind that of, of, you said you invested in a small shop in your garage with a variety of tools and just started to create things. So what's, what's
0: that all about? Yeah. I mean, you hit on some of it. There's, there's always been something in my in my mind that wishes I was more like that, like that I, well, one owning a house and, and, you know, when you grow up and these problems are your, are your problems that you always want to know a little bit more about how things work and and how to do basic uh, maintenance and stuff, but also always, always been jealous of people to create something tangible in their work or their art or um or their jobs and you know my career entirely has been in the digital space so i'm creating content for the Big East conference i'm creating you know uh videos for the american conference and i'm, then I'm building products for new lion and it's all digital it's all bytes. right it's all pixels on a, on a computer screen, which is great. And it's not a, there's nothing wrong with it at all. My career will probably continue to be in that as long as I can see. So I was thinking about how I could do some of this and also get that satisfaction of, of creating something in a hobby. And, you know, I think hobbies are really important too. You need that something to take your mind off what you're doing. And, and you always hear about these people who do stuff and they're doing amazing work or they're creating or they're solving problems. And the light flash happens when they're doing something else. Usually it's walking or in the shower and that's, there's scientific reasons for why when you focus on something and then you go to kind of turn it off and, and absorb great insights come. So I wanted a hobby that I could kind of do that that it would disconnect. And it would also be a lot different than what I do in my career. Because if your hobby is, you know, if you work in social media and sports and you're hobby or something, surfing on Twitter, it's not, you're not really disconnecting. You're not really changing. You're not really, it's not different enough. And, I guess the example I cite in the article is something I read about um, all these famous successful people who had painting as a hobby, you know, Winston Churchill, George Bush later they're, It's so different than what they're doing day to day, but they carved out time to do it. And they all say that, you know, help them relax their mind, work on something different, you know, key thoughts and things that would make you better in your career would come to you when you're doing something drastically different as a hobby. So those were kind of the things that drew me towards doing it. I have a really long way to go before I'm anything resembling a craftsman or, or somebody who can do something really special, but it's a nice thing to work towards. You know, I've, I've done a few projects. I'm, I'm learning about it a lot. Um, doing it just via YouTube and, and playing around and, and trying not to cut any extremities off my body with my, uh, my table saw or anything, but it's been, it's been, it's been great. It's been fun. And, and it's, uh, it's been frustrating too, because you know, you're learning something new and you know, you're like, this looks so easy to do and this thing, doesn't look good but you look at it as you know as a project and a hobby and and things like that so yeah it's been it's been really different but you know it's it was intentionally thinking out like what would a a hobby that could fulfill me in a certain way that i don't get at work and um you know maybe even help me um shift my mindset a little bit when i'm doing it
1: yeah i think there's it's it's such a big thing a we should have hobbies and i love the point that it it, it shouldn't be at all related to what we do for our profession and number one it's I think if you're feel stuck in your profession a hobby may actually get you unstuck because you're going to go create and learn and do something new which will stir up confidence like no i can do this and a regular job once you start accomplishing things um, in one arena it gives you the confidence to accomplish those things in a different arena so i think it, it it helps you get unstuck but i also think it gives you and you mentioned this it just gives you better perspective when you get out of your work into other things all of a sudden, you get a lot more clarity about your work. You get a lot more creativity about your work because your mind isn't always on your work. Um, and so I think there's so many benefits, whether it's working with your hands, you know, building things, whether it's gardening, whether, what a, painting, I don't know, whatever it may be. could be exercise, like running, could could be hobby doors. What, whatever it is, I think there's value in, in doing something outside of work. This doesn't mean you're giving hours to it, but you're giving something to it. And it, it it, sh- it, it, should refresh you. It should energize you, um, a in life, but also I think it, it, it has that impact for you on, in your regular work as well. So there's so many benefits to that. Um, and again, it, these are all things that we just don't take time to do. Everyone, what what I've taken from all of this is, you know, everyone wants to get better. I just, I just think that's fundamentally true. People want to get better. Um, no matter what, where they are in life, they, they want to get better. Um, are you willing to do something about it? Uh, and, and most, I mean, I see it every day with leaders, most just aren't willing to do things to create the change, to get better because change is hard. It's, it's really, really difficult because it's an acknowledgement first to say like, I'm not where I want to be. Uh, and I'm not who I want to be. Well, that's not a fun thing to say, but that shouldn't be a negative beat yourself up. It's just a, just like, I'm I'm not where I want to be, but I can be. So what am I going to do to actually get there? And do I believe that I can become that kind of person? And so I, I, I love that you've just taken these steps to be intentional. Um, so how is mark today different from mark two months ago
0: yeah it's a really good question um you know i i feel better in most realms than i did and i think you know we talked about this when we started the podcast um and and i had a a hiatus like this only three years ago where you know i went into and said i need to come out of this better than i was before and i think any other time like this is is really about that but i i think when i go into work now i have more of an idea of what's important and what I'm going to carve out my time for and what are my non-negotiables so I'm not getting yanked around um, on things that aren't important to me. You um, obviously have things you have to serve. We all work for somebody um, and we all have performance like that. So, you know, I think it it cemented this idea that I'd like to tinker and I like to try new things and um, I would rather give it a shot for a week and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, and if, it, if it makes it better, then, you know, that's great. That's all you can ask for. So... I think it's, I know some of these things are make me a better, more focused professional. Um, I've already felt that. And part of it's just not having the social media on your phone. So you're not, you know, you have work to do. You know, another book that we, that I mentioned in passing, but I think everybody should check out is Deep Work by Cal Newport. It's really coming to grips with that. the most of your real important game-changing work is gonna be done in a very focused, very intense way. Um, and you can't have distractions. So you need to work on being, really focused on the important things and you know i i think you know not all these directly go into that but they all they all kind of do too you know being healthier and feeling better physically you're able to put more into into your work and 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 to be better at what you do Um, so i I think i think all of them absolutely no regrets trying any of them if anything i think some of these are going to be pretty lifelong habits that I'll, i'll keep going with
1: so that was episode 32 of the sports leadership podcast, Mark breaking down uh, some changes that that he's made in his life, why he's made those changes, the impact of those changes, and I think for me, it's just it's really encouraging to just see how practical change can be, and 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 how how you break things down and to say like this is where I want to be, this is who I want to be, so this is how I'm going to get there. And so I hope that the listeners, I hope that's what you took from it. Um, that a change is possible, um, and that B we're the one responsible for it. Like we, we put a, well, but they won't let me, but they, it's like, no, they typically don't exist. We have a tool that we use all the time with leaders called inhibition versus prohibition. Um, is someone actually prohibiting you from doing this or is it your own mindset? Are, are you, is it your own self-limiting belief that's preventing you from doing this activity from getting better? And for, for almost a hundred percent, it's it's us. We are inhibiting ourselves from growth. Um, and so we have to take ownership of that in order to get better. And, and that's what you did not saying anything was, it's the other thing I think is that it's, um, it's easy to, or not easy. We, we tend to maybe want to make change when things are, are going really, really bad. It's like, well, it's gotta be toxic and falling apart for me to make change. You're saying, no, I can always get better. It's like not like your life was falling apart. You're in a good place, but it's, that's what, that's what leadership is. is saying things are good. How can I get better? Um, it's not being complacent. And so I love that that, that, that was kind of your mind. So like life's going well, got, got, I'm looking for a job, got a new job on the horizon. I'm going to be intentional with this time and I'm going to come out of it better than I am today, which is not to say I I was a bad person today, just not who I'm, who I'm yet going to be. And so I I love the simplicity of it and the, and your mindset kind of in throughout the process.
0: Yeah. And I think everybody, you know, I I hope people took some, some value from it. Yeah. I think the, the challenge to everybody is just kind of look at a lot of different things in your life, like really honestly, and just say, do I have more time to invest in this? And like you said, we we kind of put up these excuses and, and I understand my situation's not the same as everybody else. <clears throat> For example, we don't have kids. So, you know, I realize that I don't have to spend time getting them to bed at night and, and getting them to school in the morning and and all that, but everybody's going to have some limiting thing. Everything Everybody's going to have some it out there to, to prevent them from trying to do better. And yeah, just pick pick a few things, you know, that are interesting to you. And again, none of these things felt like huge, massive changes and throwing life upside down. Because I think that's where people get into trouble when they try to change habits is you know, January 1st, I'm going to work out six days a week, I'm going to have a 100% clean keto diet. And, you know, a weekend, you're just you're just beat down because it's just too hard. You know, so it's, it's about tweaks. And it's about setting up your surroundings, those systems. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Had to listen to me a little little more than usual, but I really enjoyed talking about this and and hope you took something from it. So please hit us up. You know, I'd love to hear if anybody else does and tries any of these things. You know, it'd be really cool to kind of hear how they're working for you. Again, reach out to, to either of us. Check out Kevin's um, uh, new program. You know, he's at Kevin DeSazo on Twitter and Mark underscore Hodgkin. I won't be responding on my phone, but I will get back. So please, uh, please reach out. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast. Really enjoying it. Again, doing it more regularly and I really appreciate the, the kind words that uh, some of you have given to us and some of the people we've met through the podcast like last week's guest, uh, Kevin Tiller. Uh, check that episode out if you haven't. It's very good. Um, so again, Please drop us a review, um, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, until next time, for Kevin Deshazo, I'm Mark Hodgkin, and we'll talk to you soon.